G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, reaching people across six continents in 27 of the world's most spoken languages. Most have seen young people on bicycles riding through our communities beginning conversations about life, faith, family, what's happening in our world and engaging in community service. The question is, what do these nice young people believe? It sounds a lot like Christianity, but is it? Today on Leading the Way, a message geared to help you understand the deception that comes through the teaching of the Mormon Church and a challenge to grow a passion to reach out with the truth found in the gospel of Jesus and Jesus alone. Join me in listening to Dr. Yusuf and his challenge to learn to discern. Not long ago, I was talking to a Christian businessman who said to me, they said, well, Mormons are Christians, aren't they? And I said, well, how did you come to this conclusion when they themselves believe that all the, all the Christian denominations are false and only they have a corner on the truth. How can you make that statement? He said, well, you know, they are very highly ethical people. They're very moral. They're family-oriented and they take good care of each other. <laughs> well, I said, those are very admirable qualities and we all wish to emulate, but that would not qualify a person for being a Christian. Some Christians really think that the Mormons are just another Christian denomination. And so I decided to get out of my comfort zone, and my comfort zone is to preach expository preaching from the Word of God. But one thing I want to make very clear at the beginning, I know some still going to misunderstand me, no matter what I say, but that's okay. As long as I go on record and saying that I have nothing against the followers of any of these cults. I have nothing against them at all. In fact, I pray that as you finish with this message, learn to discern that you will develop greater love for the people who are belong to these cults, not less love. Uh, furthermore, knowing the teaching and the history of Mormonism, should make you love people more, not less. Knowing the truth should cause you to love more, not less. But remember this, facts are facts. And you will hear people say, well, Mormons believe this and they believe that and believe the other thing. I like to stick with the core belief system rather than what one person believes and what the other one does not believe. And the fact is this, that Mormonism is contrary to the Christian faith. I'll repeat that. Mormonism as a system is contrary to the Christian faith because the Bible makes it very, very, very clear. You can't miss it. That any revelation apart from the canon of the Scripture is false. 
that any revelation that adds to or subtract from the canon of the Scripture is false. Uh, that any revelation that contradicts the canon of the Scripture is false. And so let's look briefly at Mormonism as a system, how it started, and what are the core belief system. And now Mormonism was established by a, a teenager by the name of Joseph Smith. He claimed that he had a vision of God. In fact, he has six revelations, and many of those actually contradictory to each other. But this is a subject for a debate. In fact, it's a subject for a debate in their own group. And the first revelation was that God the Father and God the Son appeared to him physically, that God the Father had a body. They appeared to him, appeared to Joseph Smith, and told him that all Christians and Christian denominations have failed and they displease God, and therefore he is going to be God's new voice to the world. In 1820, Joseph Smith claimed to have seen some very spectacular ones. As I said, those six visions, he claimed that they appear to him which are contradictory to each other, but Mormons don't teach that. They don't highlight these contradictions. Not only that, but we know that our God is not a God of confusion, that our God is a consistent God, and that the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is a consistent Word of God. And the first vision, as I said, that he saw God the Father, God the Son in physical bodies. In that vision, they forbade him. They said, you cannot join any of these churches, any of these Christian churches, because they're all displeasing God. But you're going to speak the truth, and you will be God's voice. Years later, he claimed a more spectacular revelation. He said that uh, this angel Marunai disclosed to him the details of the early history of America. This history was not known to anyone before, and this is a brand new revelation, and that it was written on golden plates. But that's not all. (laughs) This history of America had been written not in English, but in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. I always knew that Egyptians had something to do with America, but I couldn't figure it out until then. (laughs) Although Joseph Smith wanted to see those golden plates immediately, but the angel told him that he needs to wait for four years. So exactly four years later, he traveled to the place, and there Marunai gave him those plates, together with two crystals, or probably what we call like glasses today by which he said that he was able to supernaturally translate from the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics into English. The truth is, no scholar who could ever identify such a language ever existed. And the so-called translation has contained so many factual historical errors. Factual errors. Here's what most likely happened. And a number of respectable historians have concluded this. That a few years before Joseph Smith came on the scene, there was a Presbyterian minister by the name of Solomon Spaulding. Spaulding wrote of what we call today a novel or a fiction, a piece of fiction, in which 
He talks about a fictitious history of the American, Native Americans. And here's the title of that book. An Imaginary History of the Primitive Americans, the Manuscript Found. That was the title of his novel. But back then, no one would publish it. He would go to publishers and printers, and he said, please publish this. Um, they were not as anxious to publish like they do now, and it got turned down so many times. And finally, it ended up in a print shop in Pittsburgh. And the owner of this print shop, by the name of Patterson, died. But then he had a customer, a regular customer. He used to come in and out by the name of Rigdon. And after the death of the owner, he found that manuscript. And so together, he and Joseph Smith and another man by the name of Polly Pratt, they went about reading this work of fiction. And this manuscript of this fiction, of this novel, became the basis of the Book of Mormon. That is the most likely scenario. So what happened to the so-called golden plates? I mean, when you have such a, an incredible thing like this, you would, man, you have it in a safe, you lock it up, have a glass thing so people can come and see it, but predictably, it vanished. And thus, Joseph Smith and five other friends founded the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Fayette, New York. After Joseph Smith's death, Brigham Young became the founder, his successor. But there was a split over who is the rightful successor, whether Young or one of Smith's sons. Smith moved them westward in order to avoid ridicule that they were receiving in the east. First, they went to Missouri, and there they thought was paradise. That was the Garden of Eden. Uh, in fact, they think they're still going to get back there at some point. And then they moved into Chicago and ultimately to Utah. Please listen carefully. There are over 100 splinter groups within Mormonism. But the largest splinter group was in Chicago is the group that disagreed on the succession of Burnham Young. Now, this is a way of background. What do Mormons really believe? Now, you've got to be very, very careful because I have talked to some Mormons and I've heard three or four different things because the Mormon church is going through a transition right now. Many Mormons don't really know what the true belief is. They really don't. Many of the Mormon leadership today, they're finding themselves on a horn of a dilemma. <laughs> on the one hand, they are destining themselves away from Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and what they said. On the other hand, they can't come out and say, well, that, what they said was wrong and we don't believe that anymore because it will cause the collapse of the entire system. So they really are at a predicament right now, and I think this is an ideal time if you have a Mormon friend. It's a great time to love them to Christ and lead them to Christ. Now let me give you a brief synopsis of what Mormonism, as far as its history, teaches. Four things that are of utmost importance for you to understand so that you can pray intelligently and that you share Christ intelligently. Four things that I focused on of all the stuff that is written. God, Jesus Christ, salvation, and the Bible. What Mormonism taught, at least in the early days, is that there are many gods, and that the Trinity is basically three separate gods. 
And they all have bodies. They have their own bodies. Even the father has his own body. Uh, They believe that God is sexually polygamist. And that is why polygamy was part of the founding of the church. Why, in fact, Bingham Young had more than 25 wives. Nobody knows how many Joseph Smith had, but we know at least 17. And, but listen, here is the absolute truth that the Bible makes very clear from cover to cover. That God is spirit. That God is holy. That God is infinite. That God is in control of all things. That God does not change In fact, Birmingham Young said, and I quote, God created you and me for the purpose of becoming God's just like him. In fact, Mormons believed that God was Adam and that he, through series of exhortation and and, and progression, he became an exalted being. That God, once mortal, just like us, he became God. Uh, They believed that there are many gods and that we will become gods. It depends on the level in which you can attain that Godhead. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus was a God, just like they can well be gods too. Uh, That he was created and not eternal God. That he himself needed salvation and exhortation to the Godhead. Uh, That Jesus had a brother and his name was Lucifer, or Satan. And that the difference between Jesus and his brother Satan is in degree and not in kind. That Jesus was not born of a virgin, although today they say he is. And Jesus was not unique, and that is why he needed salvation. That Jesus was a polygamist. That in fact, at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, he married both Mary and her sister Martha. But here's the truth. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus coexisted with the Father forever. That in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that no one has ever seen the Father, only the begotten Son, who was in the bosom of the Father from the beginning. And that when his mother Mary conceived him, she conceived him by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that because of his divine nature, Jesus Christ couldn't possibly be in intimacy with a woman and could never marry. Thirdly, the Bible. Mormons believe that the Book of Mormon and the Bible are equal, of equal authority as the Word of God. In fact, they take an obscure text from Ezekiel about two sticks, and they said, ah, this is one stick is the Bible, the other one is the Book of Mormon. Not only that, but that God still has continuous revelation. And so when the prophet or the leader of the Mormon church speaks today, is equally authoritative as the Word of God, as the Bible. The Bible in itself is not reliable and is not complete that the Bible can only be interpreted by the Book of Mormon. But here's the truth. The Bible is not only reliable in every way and has been tested for thousands of years, but it is complete in itself and needs no additional revelation. And that the Bible rejects any additional revelation. And that is why Paul said to the Galatians, he said, if I or any other one, any other person preaches another gospel, let them be anathema. Fourthly, salvation. 
When it comes to salvation, Mormons believe that it is only possible through baptism and good works. Again, you're going to find that varies from one to the other. But that's the core of the original teaching of Mormonism. To them, the atonement of Christ from sin was not necessary. Now remember that they think that Jesus needed salvation, yet they still call him Savior. Now, sometimes you hear words are so sounding like Christian words, but that's why the series of messages entitled, Learn to Discern. Learn to Discern. But here's the truth. The Bible from cover to cover teaches that salvation is by faith alone, that it is by the grace of God alone. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Bible said Abraham did? No. Abraham believed and was counted to him righteousness. That it was in the Old Testament by faith alone. It is in the New Testament by faith alone. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any one of you, what? Boast. And so when you learn to discern, you will soon discover, at least that's my personal conclusion, and I take full responsibility for it, that Joseph Smith was really an occultist. In fact, in 1826, in Bambridge, New York, he was arrested, tried, and found guilty of fortune-telling. They said that he would place, obviously those two crystals, or sometimes they're called peep stones, and he would place them inside a hat, and he would bury his face in that hat, and he would see visions, visions of lost properties or visions of buried treasures and the rest of it. That was the method also by which he claimed he translated the Book of Mormon from Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, my beloved friend, let me tell you something. There is only two ways, no third. There's God's way and Satan's way. There are only two kingdoms. Is the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of Satan. There are only two ways. One will lead to life and the other one will lead to death. There is no third. There is no middle of the road. There is not something good here we can learn from. We take here and learn from this truth and take part of this truth and add it to this. In Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is salvation possible. In Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, heaven is possible. In Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, forgiveness of sin and guilt is possible. Amen. Eternal life is possible in Jesus Christ alone. When you believe that salvation is by works, how much is good enough? Before we come to Christ, he said, all of our good work is like a dirty rag in God's sight. Oh, but until you come through Jesus Christ, the Father looks at you as if you have never sinned. You have become righteous and justified in the eyes of God the Father. Not because of you or anything you have done, anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did. Smith taught that the greatest responsibility in this world that God has laid upon us is to seek after our dead. What does he mean by that? He means that if somebody died in order to progress from one level of heaven to the next, that the living Mormons can do good and give alms and do all kinds of things in order that they can be transformed in heaven. Contacting with the dead spirit, in fact, was common practice 
among early Mormonism. But like polygamy, it's no longer accepted. But here's the challenge I want to leave with every one of you. I was deeply challenged afresh by the fact that in a given year, 60,000 young people banging on doors, the zeal they have for something we believe to be false, but they shame us. We know the truth, and we know that the truth is in Jesus. And yet, we keep our mouths shut. Our zeal goes up and down, hot and cold. Not only that, but on an annual basis, they spend well over $5 billion, by the B, $5 billion on their missionary activities. How much more? How much more should we give sacrificially for the cause of the truth as it is in Jesus Christ alone? It is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will begin to build the fire in my heart and yours. I pray that every one of us be challenged, not just to believe and thank God for the faith, and, and I do every day, and you should. But I said, Lord, what would you have me do? when you have given me the truth, when you saved me by faith alone, when you've saved me by grace alone. Lord Jesus, I pray that in your power and the power of your Holy Spirit, whom you have given us to guide us into all truth, that we be challenged, that we be no price too dear to pay for the proclamation of the truth, that the world may know and believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father. In His name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way and a challenge to learn to discern. Got questions about what you heard today? Let me invite you to speak with a member of the Leading the Way pastoral team. No matter the topic, we're happy to work through it with you in light of God's Word. Just visit ltw.org Jesus. Before time is gone and we have to say goodbye, allow me to challenge you to listen to a powerful podcast featuring Jonathan Yusuf, youngest son of Dr. Yusuf. The podcast is called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf. As part of his vision to reach many more people with the truth of the gospel, Dr. Yusuf commissioned Jonathan to explore the many culture and life challenges of today. Through the lens of biblical truth, as we focused on earlier, He speaks with trusted voices, tackling topics such as faith, family, sexuality, suicide, education, and more. Get details when you click on the Listen link at ltw.org or search for Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef on your favorite podcast platform. Well, that's about it for today. But if you ever have any questions or wish to learn more about Leading the Way or Dr. Yusuf, please reach out at 1-300-133-589, 1-300-133-589 or ltw.org, ltw.org. Holy, holy, holy Lord God
Dr. Yusuf next time and make it a point to join him each Sunday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time for Leading the Way Live at Apostles. Hear powerful worship featuring Mac Powell and the life-changing teaching of Dr. Yusuf. Simply click over to ltw.org on Sundays to join with many around the world to study God's Word. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.